want to thank all of our listeners for several years of dedicated and loyal listening throughout the Halo Talks 400 podcast completed to date. We're going to 1,000 by 2024. If you're so inclined, we'd love to have you go to iTunes for us, fill out a review so we can keep this podcast rolling globally. We are now on Chartable's top lists and moving up the charts. Also, if you want to educate yourself in the new year, please go to thehaloacademy.com. Take a look at what we've done with 150 executives in the Halo sector to get them smarter, get them prepared for capital raises, and also more winning. Thanks. Have a great season. Let's go. This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of bringing a friend of mine from NYC. Now he's at Climber out in Denver. We're going to talk about connected fitness and the evolution of connected fitness from B to C into B to B to C. Kenny, welcome back to your second Halo Talks. I appreciate it. Thanks, thanks for having me. Great to see you guys again. Yeah, so uh, obviously you've been in the industry on the boutique fitness side and now on the uh, equipment side, you've seen everything that happens during a pandemic, the growth in, in at-home fitness, and then kind of a normalization of that. Obviously, when you guys were originally starting your row concept back in New York, it was all about community. It was all about results. Now that that home market has now shifted back to the bricks and mortar, let's talk about you know what Climber is, what their mission is, and how clubs and bricks and mortar operators can now access this as content and equipment. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So I, I'm glad you brought up my 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 previous uh, previous company, which uh, we talked about last time, Rogata, which was kind of a rowing based uh, equipment, um, and that's really kind of what tied me to to Climber is that it uh, is is very similar in the fact that it's full body and low impact, low impact. So I was immediately um, kind of interested in the product and and moved out to Denver, sort of one of those pandemic moves where just uh, wanted a little bit more access to the outdoors uh, for, from New York. And yeah, it's been, a, it, it's been an interesting journey for Climber because we released our product kind of at the tail end of the pandemic where, you know, the D2C at-home connected fitness route was the way to go. Peloton was still kind of at the, at the top of its game. Yeah, 150, uh, 150 157 it, a share, 38 yeah, times. Everybody else good raising- comps, Good comps, right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody else raising a ton of money in that space, uh, a crazy valuation. So Climber was, you know, at, at first it originated the idea in kind of 2018, 2019, was really meant to be kind of the better mousetrap for vertical climbing machines. But in that, uh, in that era, in that time, the decision was made, well, hey, there's this giant at-home market, you know, people are still kind of in this pandemic world. And so we released version one of our product at, in the back half of 2021. Um, and that was really a, a D2C product um, where we have kind of, you know, similar to, to others in the category, on-demand content, uh, as, as well as just kind of, you know, metrics that you could watch on your own, but really focusing on the D2C market. So everything that comes with that, um, you know, customer acquisition costs, performance marketing. Um, and then really it was interesting timing because sort of right after we launched, um, the world started shift. Thing, go, to go back to uh, a place where people are going back to gyms, going back to brick and mortar, you know, Peloton shares started to go down dramatically. And, uh, and along with that, you know, we realized that 
if we're going to only sell into D2C and, and, and at home, um, we're, we're really missing out on a large opportunity because truth is people do want to go back to gyms. So what I always say is, is, is a really kind of interesting aspect of climber and something that I think of as a big competitive advantage is that we are really built to offer just a better, better vertical climbing machine than what's out there. So what that means is that we can do that at home, but we can also, we can also do that in gyms, boutiques, fitness studios. And so we started, um, kind of a mind shift in, in 2022, um, thinking, Hey, how can we really tap into this B2B commercial market? Because there really is a lot of demand for our product, especially as people head back to gyms. So what that entailed was sort of a rework of the entire organization to kind of prioritize uh, selling commercially, but also a total re-engineering, redesigning of our machine uh, to make it commercial grade. Sure. Um, so over the course of 2022, totally redesigned what we call version two or O2 of our product. Really, we think about it as, as a brand new product, really. Uh, than just an iteration. So biggest differences are, um, you know, durability for the commercial market and then various feedback that we've gotten back from, uh, from O one, um, in terms of resistance, um, screen and, and whatnot. So now in this world with O two, we're positioned really well to tap into both, uh, the DTC at home user base. And also, um, in a few months after finalizing our testing, we'll be out selling to the commercial market as well. That's great. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Peloton, and look, for everything that has happened to Peloton, they were in the right place at the right time, and they got millions of people working out, you know, during a pandemic, and it was salvation. So, you know, they obviously made some material mistakes along the way, but I do not, um, you know, say anything negative about them. They couldn't control their stock price, and the, the fact that it was a COVID stock, they probably said some things at the senior level that you should never say. But, um, you know, they were solution and it was important. Having said that, you know, they also scared the shit out of every health club operator in the country. Um, and now they have Peloton commercial as part of their, you know, uh, pre-core acquisition. And I think health clubs, you know, kind of think of them as maybe like, you know, I don't know about the big bag wolf letting them into my, my, my club because, I kind of think they might still want to steal my members, even though that probably will subside over time. Um, but climbers never had that kind of um, marketing girth that happened during the pandemic where, you know, you were getting VC funding. And if you were in one of those board meetings on the investment committee saying like, hey, there's $60 billion worth of EFT memberships out of here, like, let's go steal it. Yeah. Right. So you kind of come in as like, almost like a solution that's leapfrogged technology and now like we're presenting it to health clubs in a box you know without necessarily the paranoia of saying like hey what are those guys doing i saw a commercial oh they, they have a home equipment that doesn't bother me yeah i mean i mean that th that's exactly right I, I would say a couple of things on that one having the experience of running a boutique fitness studio very much in person and building that community prior to the pandemic um it was clear to me that if people have the opportunity to go back and work out in person, um, you know, there's just a desire to do that, right? You could, you could watch a, I always say you could watch a concert, um, you know, on TV at Red Rocks, but actually being there and, and experiencing live is just a totally different experience. Sure. So yeah, not, not surprised that the, the demand is there. And then to your point, you know, I think it goes back to 
what are the problems that Peloton's trying to solve and what are the problems that, you know, back in the day and what's the problem that, that climber's trying to solve. So Peloton was trying to solve the problems. Hey, how can I do these awesome spinning classes, but from the comfort of, of my home? And so just at a high level, their business model is set up and, hey, how can I grab people out of the gym because we want them working out at home? Whereas the problem that Climber was trying to solve was not, hey, there are tons of people taking climbing classes and we want to be able to do it at home. We just wanted to create a much better machine and modality that um, people can access wherever they might be, whether it's at home or, or in gyms and the studios. And so I think gym operators you know, are, are pretty cognizant of that. And you know, whereas a bike or treadmill or even now a rower are, are much more commonplace in gyms, I think people are looking for kind of that next thing and that next modality. And particularly, particularly in this day and age when someone, people are looking for effective but low impact. And uh, I think gym operators are, are, are not looking at this as sort of a business that's trying to take people away um, from their locations. Yeah. And, and you, you got to understand and have been part of the, uh, you know, the franchising side and franchise or franchisee, um, you know, selling one climber to somebody's house versus getting a deal where someone's got 300 locations and they're going to buy, I don't know, what would be the average number of climbers somebody would put in in order to do either small group X or put it as part of their, you know, yeah, I mean, so, program. Yeah. I mean, so we have, so we have two uh, studio climber locations, cor corporate owned with about 30 to 35 machines in each. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, so that's kind of one use case. And then, you know, you have more sort of big box gyms that will throw these on their cardio lineup figure five to 10 there. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of different, different use cases for it, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the key is, is one of the big, uh, goals for us is just exposure. And to your point, customer acquisition costs to, uh, try to expose people to, you know, one person to a machine at home. Uh, it's just not sustainable, whether it's for us or Peloton or Tonal or, or et cetera. And so one, you know, much more cost effective way of creating that exposure is bring the machine to where people are already going to work out. And the way I think of it is actually very similar to, to rowing, right? I mean, 20 years ago, you didn't have a ton of people buying rowers for, for, for their homes. And now, whether it's through CrossFit, through, um, you know, other kind of rowing studios and, and, and seeing them in gym or in Equinox, um, you know, people get on these machines. We're like, holy crap, this is pretty amazing. Um, nice. and, uh, and, and then buy them for their home. So we think yeah. that's a much more sustainable way to acquire customers. When you think about, um, when you think about rowing, um, and you think about, uh, the climber, the average person would be like, Hey, that's a lot harder than riding a bike. So how do you kind of cut through, you know, the pain, no pain, no gain. Um, and how do you kind of get someone at a beginner level to expose them to it and, and what kind of time amount should they be on? Are you doing, well, you're on the climber for a period of time, you're doing exercises, you know, using parts of the apparatus. Talk about that because there's a lot of things that even I find intimidating, but yeah. I'm like, dude, that's like, I'm doing the work, but that's like a little too much work. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I would say similar to rowing, it's not an intuitive motion. So, there has to be some coaching that's involved in order to, to get your form done right. Um, and so as part of that, and, and even in our commercial outreach, um, we know we offer kind of an education and training component so that even studio operators kind of know, you know, how to use the machine and teach people how to use the machine. Because 
We think a big part of our job is is not only offering these machines, but teaching people how to climb. But then, you know, the second piece, which is really interesting, is that we've had people, you know, who are Parkinson's patients or in their 70s, 80s, getting on the machine. And uh, we do a lot of work with the Parkinson's Regeneration Center and, and people that can't get on anything else and they get on the climber and they're like, wow, this is incredibly accessible, um, you know, because I can stand up, I can go at my own speed. And then we've had people like Matt Frazier on the machine uh, and, and totally kicked his butt as well. So uh, so I think what's, what's interesting is that there's a ton of different use cases, tons of different types of people that can get benefits out of it, whether you're a CrossFit athlete, uh, whether you're doing PT and uh, in, in, in older. So, you know, I think a lot of it is our job to sort of educate the public on how to use the machine, which is kind of what we're, what we're working on. But mm. there's a lot of different ways to, to, to get benefit out of it. So I think what's happened, at least it's, it's caught my attention. And also, you know, I've been like training my, uh, my 15 year old nephew <clears throat> in basketball. Uh, he made the JV team. Um, you know, we were doing certain workouts related to, you know, let's build it, you know, doing squats or doing squat thrusts or doing, um, you know, uh, what is it? What's the jumps? Um, uh, geez, it's escaping me. When you do squat thrusts or, you know, yeah. like, um, the full jump, uh, thinking of the name of it. Burpees. I'll figure it out. Burpees. Burpees. Thank you. Thank you. That's why you're on the show. <laughs> when you think about climber, do you think about, you know, building up your shoulders and building up your back, you know, for, you know, rebounding, boxing out, do you find that, uh, climbers that are, you know, going on weekends to do rock climbing or the other climbers in rock climbing gyms, or is that like, you know, a double entendre of, um, you know, building up yourself in order to do sports specific workouts. Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned that. I, I think that the community for which, uh, climbers most popular right now is with the, with the athlete community, like professional athlete community, professional and collegiate mm-hmm. level. So we always say it's like, you know, these athletes, Le- LeBron James, for example, he's on his, right. you know, he's on his machine every day. We always say that it's sort of this hidden gem amongst, uh, athletes and they, you know, have kind of kept it secret for past 10, 20 years. And now it's time and our job to introduce this incredible modality to the public. So I would say, also with our O2 version of the machine, we are, our resistance profile has increased 700 times from, from O1, meaning that it totally changes the dynamics of the workout. So, you know, you can do things that are, that are legs only, you could do full body and really becomes more of a, even a strength workout, uh, combined with cardio. So yeah, there's, there's a lot you can do with it. When you think about, um, you know, teenagers potentially training for sports specific events, is there a certain size you have to be? Is this basically one size fits all where you just modify the, the, uh, you know, the, the steps and the holders? Handles? Yeah. So there, there is kind of an ideal, uh, ideal, um, height. So generally kind of five feet and then up to sort of six, four is kind of the, the sweet spot. We do have in place extender handles that you can use because a lot of particularly athletes and basketball players and football players, who get on the machine need that accessibility. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can definitely, I mean, we have high school athletes, college athletes who are on the machine and, and, and pretty accessible. I would, I would not say to put your 
two or three year old on the machine. Right. Um, so if you had to go on a roller coaster, you allowed yeah. that's your target market for a climber. Total addressable. Yeah, I, I, I went over a roller coaster ride at Great Adventure. Got it. Yeah. Don't okay, don't, cool. don't 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 put your toddler on it. Unless it's on your back and you want to like add weight to the uh, the weight a weight vest. Um, there you, you know, go. So as you look at this pivot, you know, and a lot of companies are going through this right now, all excited about the at home at home normalizes. Now you got to get a mindset saying like, hey, I'm now providing programming to uh, you know a wholesale account. How does that kind of change? You said you know we made some more restructuring changes, or you know what type of people? Because I feel like one of the things that I want the podcast to do is say, here's mistakes that other people have made, or here's how we thought about it. It worked out well because there are certain boxes or you know players that we don't need, and yeah. let's not keep those on board unless it's going towards the new mission, and we got to pivot. So talk yeah. about how you guys thought about that. Uh, maybe, you know, if you want to keep it in more, um, you know, high level, but, you know, what what positions don't need and where'd you put resources to? Yeah, I, I almost think it's it's less of changing the positions wholesale than just repurposing. So to give you an example, right, our, our customer service, we have an internal customer service department um, who, you know, in the past year has been very focused on, you know, individual at home consumers in their home. So it's not necessarily changing that group, but more so getting them trained up um, in order to spend more of their time um, on uh, you know the delivery experience for for a big box gym or mm-hmm. maintenance, servicing, follow up, um, and so just kind of changing their focus. Same thing with marketing, right? So you know we spent like pretty much every other player in the space a lot of money on on performance marketing, but it's really just shifting that mindset into Hey, how can we uh, prepare the mo- the best marketing materials that are now tailored towards the commercial group? You know, you're not going to be spending uh, Facebook ads or Instagram ads trying to convince you know a, a regional uh, Equinox or or 24 Hour Fitness to buy. It's, it's it's a different strategy. So I think it's less uh, personnel change, although there's some of that, and more just you know kind of changing your focus. Yeah. Now you you are an entrepreneur, you know, Rogata with with your partners. Um, you know, you're kind of onto something and then, you know, the pandemic obviously took away all, all that market opportunity, obviously an uncontrollable, you're a guy that likes to control the controllables and hope the uncontrollables control themselves, uh, or not that material. Um, and then you go to, to, to climber where big growth trajectory, don't know how long people are staying at home, getting great press. So how, let's talk about you for a minute and just to to share kind of your entrepreneurial ventures. Obviously, you're a top guy. You know what you're doing. You get shit done. You're disciplined. We've known each other for many years. But there are things that you can't control that have affected, you know, your career. And, you know, you just got to kind of get a little humility like I have out of it and say like, hey, man, like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and things are going to work out. So how do you give us a little lens into how you've managed the last, you know, four years? Yeah. I mean, look, I obviously cl- closing Rogata was tough, but you know, ultimately I, I think it was hundred percent the right decision at the time. Um, but the way I've thought about that and, and frankly, any experience in my career is just how do I leverage these, these different learnings, whether it's the, the, um, uh, the connections that I've made, the things that I've learned in, you know, I, I, I think the, the biggest thing is to take the the challenge and things maybe that didn't work so well. So you understand Nate, not, not to replicate that again. And so, you know, I would say at the time, Nadav and I, I mean, we were kind of running everything at Rogata and very limited resource. So 
for me, got a ton of exposure into, hey, how does it work to acquire customers, doing marketing, really building that community. Um, you know, we, uh, we built a, a digital product, you know, to kind of reach people. Um, and so kind of understanding uh, that product roadmap. So there's a ton of stuff that I just kind of leverage. And not to mention, we also have two uh, of those studios. So kind of bringing my knowledge to Climber of, hey, what are kind of what I think are best practices uh, on the studio side as well. So there's a ton that I've just learned from that, that, that I just, look, my, my personality, Pete, is just to look forward, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and I don't look back. And, um, you know, as, I, as I've said, there are other things that I've done in my career practicing law, right, that I didn't like and made it very explicit on the last show. Um, yep. But there's a ton that I've learned um, doing that that I still apply, particularly in a COO role. Yeah. Yeah, we, we use this, uh, this phrase like lose your rearview mirror. Cause nobody cares and nobody remembers only you do. And you kind of harp on it. You know, I was saying that all the shoulda, coulda, what is like, it doesn't matter to you. Like you're here now and, uh, you might actually know more and learn more than you think you did. And it may not have been a mistake. It may have just been like a side ramp and you get back. You you can't, you can't live like, like that. If you want to, you know, be successful, move on, you gotta, you know, leverage the, the, the things that you learn and things that you did well. And, um, and use that into the next venture. Yeah. Awesome. So you got any quotes that you want to add? I'm, I'm not sure what the last one was that we had. I'll go back and check before we, uh, post it, but, um, you know, there's something that you, you know, like a mannerism or, you know, something that you say, uh, something that you think, um, you know, making progress, but you know, not as fast as I want, or you got any, uh, anything that you live by? So, so a big one that we've, that we've adopted at this company is just, uh, in the last couple of months is just giddy up. It's just, uh, it's, it's just pretty simple, but you know, sometimes you got to make decisions and you got to stick with it. Things happen and you just got to be on board and, uh, and you say, giddy up and you hold on to the reins as, as hard as you can and, and, and just keep moving. So awesome. Giddy up. All right. So from COVID to post COVID and just keep rolling forward. I think that's great. So good to see you again. I'm glad you pivoted into the uh, wholesale market. I think this is going to be great as a program inside of clubs and they're going to help a lot of people uh, achieve the results that they want on and off the field. So good to see you. See Climber at Ursa and uh, look for the uh, B2B marketing from uh, Kenny and crew over there. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Thanks, P and Dave. Great seeing you guys. Yeah, it was fun.